Hey y'all, welcome to the Friends of a Feather podcast. I am your host, Ren, and I am so glad you're joining me today. I pray that this is the place where you will feel encouraged by hearing God's stories from my friends that I share. Every time you download an episode of the Friends of a Feather podcast, I want for you to feel seen by God, to feel encouraged in your daily life, and be spurred on to honor Him with the gifts and talents He has given you. So here we are, friend. It's the end of May. I cannot believe it. Not quite the end of May, but a week from the end of May. And my May has been busy. It's now starting to come to a close, and I'm kind of excited about it. So today's episode is a conversation with Christine Hoover. Christine is a wife, a mom to three boys. She is an excellent writer. She is a speaker to women, and she is a podcaster. I love Christine. I love our conversation because it was very down to earth. Uh, It was very practical, but very deep also all at the same time. I love that her phrase on her website, gracecoversme.com, says she is speaking gospel truths to your honest thoughts. And don't we all need that? So here is my conversation with Christine Hoover. You're going to love it. Hey, Christine, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, I reached out to you because I love your podcast. Uh, I found it, uh, I guess, last year, maybe a few, yeah, I think it was last year, uh, when you do the different seasons, and I love that you, uh, it's called the By Faith Podcast. The season that you were talking on last year was about friendship, and it just caught my attention, and it was really, really good, and I really enjoyed it, and uh, I read a few chapters of your book, Messy, Beautiful Friendship. Uh, You're an author. It's so exciting that you're here with me today, so I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, well, thanks for saying that about the podcast. I've enjoyed doing it just as much as writing. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. Well, and I was going to talk about a little bit about writing. We we can jump into that in a minute, but kind of dive in into your story of when, okay, y'all got married and then uh, you had kids at um, three boys, right? Yes. And when they were six months, I think six months old, two years old and five years old, Y'all moved across the country. Tell me about that. We did. We did. So my husband was on staff at a church in Texas after we got married. We had our kids there. um, And he was doing college and he was doing missions. And through the missions, leading that role in the church, he really felt like the Lord was calling the church we were at to start getting involved in church planting. Mm-hmm. And through that, we began to sense that God was calling us to be the ones to go and be sent out from that church to plant. And that, that was in 2000, we were, it was 2007 when we started thinking about it. And that was a time where church planting really wasn't a thing. Yeah. It was a thing, but it wasn't, you a know, big. A, the cool thing to do, I guess. <laughs> right. People didn't even really understand what, that meant when we mm. used that term. Yeah. So we set out from there, and it's a long story how we ended up going to uh, Virginia, but we moved from Texas to Charlottesville, Virginia in 2008 with our little kids in tow, and we mm. started a church in our living room. And we're still here. We're still standing. Yeah. Uh, uh, almost 11 years later, wow. um, we, are, we have made a new home here, and we love it. Uh, and that, the story of church planting, and I just... 
that story has been the story of my life of God changing me, not just bringing me here to share him with others, but he brought me here to show me who he is and to change me. So it's been a really good experience. It's also been the hardest thing I've ever done, but I would do it again in a heartbeat. Yeah, and I, I remember you talking about this on the podcast with your husband that I love. I love when wives and husbands, uh, or the wives bring the husbands on once in a while. I love that. I think that's super fun. I've done that with my husband once, but it's it's super fun because you kind of kind of get a little inside track of uh, their relationship and your relationship with your husband and and your story a little bit. And yeah. I I. It was really, I kind of had to stop when I was listening. I had to stop, you know, because you listen to podcasts when you're doing stuff and cleaning and all that. And I stopped when I listened to this part because you said that when y'all moved across country, you had the three babies in tow, you know, three under five. Uh, you felt like you were drowning. You felt <laughs> like you, you, you wanted to get up. You wanted to get in the word, but it wasn't a desperation, but in that move and in that struggle uh, of, you know, three kids and your church plan and you've moved away from home and family that you met with the Lord and you became so desperate for him and it became like breathing to you and your time with the Lord. Tell me a little bit about that. That is exactly right. I would say before we moved from Texas, uh, you know, when you're a young mom, it's just hard to do anything consistently in the Word. Um, but I just I just really, truly didn't have much of a desire for that. And I never really told anybody about that because I was a pastor's wife. I mean, what am I going to say? I don't really want to read the Bible. I don't know how to read the Bible. Mm. I don't understand a lot of what the Bible says. And I think that's a very common experience that people have. But I didn't know. I thought... I can't, I can't tell anybody that. Mm. And so I just kind of, I would read parts of it that I could understand and I would, I would do it very inconsistently. And of course I had a relationship with the Lord, but I would say I didn't have a deep, rich mm-hmm. um, understanding of him and of his word. Mm. So when we moved and I, I mean, the second we hit the ground, mm. I feel like a wave has hit me. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to face the fear and discouragement and uncertainty. And I started looking for a way out. I mean, not, not a way out of my marriage or anything like right, that. But just right. like, surely God did not say <laughs> for us to come here. This is too hard. Uh-huh. And so through all of that, it was, I began just desperately seeking some sort of solid truth that could hold me up. Mm. Kind of, as you mentioned, the drowning, like it was almost like trying to grab onto something that I could catch a breath and Mm. just remember what's true and why am I here and what am I doing? And it was through that that I just, I became thirsty for the word and I began reading it consistently. Now there was a part of that. that was a discipline. I realized sure. I need this. This is the only thing that's going to sustain me is my relationship with the Lord. And so there was a choice that I made to start getting up before my kids. Cause mm-hmm. you know, as a young mom, that is so hard yeah. to choose to, to, to sacrifice sleep, to get up. But I started doing that consistently 
and it that when when you said earlier it's become like breathing that's mm-hmm. what's become like breathing it's just something that i do yeah. but that happened through making that choice every day and through that time i do feel like god has given me a greater understanding of the big picture of his word that i didn't have before and a big picture of his character that i didn't have before Mm, I think that is so neat and so wise. And I think that's very relatable to us as young moms is that, you know, you're, you're at the beginning with a baby and newborn and you're just trying, you're just trying to make it survival, right? Just trying to get a shower, right? Absolutely. Um, But then, you know, it's the discipline, but then it's also the yearning. Like you said, it became like breathing. It was just as easy as breathing and, and you desire that and desire the Lord. And I think that is so neat. And I think that's what a lot of us talk to about our stories, but we, I really love that you talked about the learning of the character of God, that it's not about us. It's his story that's in us, but it's, it's the character of God. Do you remember looking back of, uh, of clinging to a character quality of him that you learned? Absolutely. I clung to Romans four where God, where I'm sorry, Abraham, it talks about Abraham believing in a God who could make something out of nothing mm-hmm. and, you know, speaking to his um, offspring that he would have a baby, that he and Sarah would have a baby. That truth that God could make something out of nothing, mm. that he believed in hope against hope is what it says. I clung to those truths so much Um that God could actually do, he could actually do the work that I couldn't myself do in my own ability and strength to change people's lives, to make them save, to help them understand truth, to the spirit's movement and healing and reconciliation in marriages and relationships. I couldn't, I realized in that time I couldn't do any of that, that I was just here as a vessel for God to use, but that he was the one who could do that. So that is what I clung to. That's great. That's so good. So also, as I was listening to your podcast with your husband on your um, recent, most recent book about seasons and spring, and we'll get into that in a minute, but you talked a little bit about providence and provision of God. And um, there was something that happened in your family that um, was... A little bit difficult because of the fact that you found out that your son at the age of three was diagnosed with autism and you you realized that there were some things that he might be learning in a different way so tell me a little bit about that is it your oldest son or was it your middle son it's my oldest okay. son uh, yeah he's about to turn 16 okay. but whenever he was three yeah I mean there were just with being your first child, when you have um, a child with differences, you don't always know that when it's your first child. And so mm. I didn't begin suspecting anything until he was probably two, two and a half. And mm. he was officially diagnosed at three and a half um, with being on the autism spectrum. And things are a little bit different now in the way this, that they label these things. But that, that was the that was the diagnosis that we received. And by that time I knew, I knew that was coming. Sure. Um, he wasn't speaking. He, he had a lot of social difficulties and he had all of the 
the, the signs, but I just had not known to look for them. And so when that diagnosis came, being a new mom, I had, my middle son was born by that time. Uh, I felt sad. I felt grief that this dream that I had of what my family would look like and what my son would, who he would be and what he would be able to do. Uh, all of that got put into question and that caused me a lot of grief and sorrow, my husband as well. Um, and I really, that was the first time in my life that something happened to me that I could not fix or control. Mm. And I'd always been a fixer and a controller. And as women, we're that, good at that, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we tried to be at least. Yeah. And I'm, I'm a performer achiever on the Enneagram. I don't know if you're oh. familiar with that. Oh, but, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, I'm, I'm like, I'm going <laughs> to perform my way out of this. Mm. I'm going to find a way out. Yeah. And so that was really a turning point for me and my understanding of who God is and who I am in relation to him. That God is good despite the suffering and the broken dreams that I had. And I had to work through that and wrestle through that, just going back to the very, very basic truths of who God is and what he has said in his word. And through that, I learned so much more about him than I ever could have in any other way. And I'm, so I'm thankful for for what he has, the family that he's given me. I'm thankful for what I've seen him do in my son's life. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that was a, that was a, turning point for me to understand that beauty could come through suffering and pain. Yeah. And that's funny how you said that beauty comes from suffering and pain because I have that written down because in your podcast with your husband, y'all talked about that in depth. And I love how you said the main theme of that book is that the work that God is doing is the work of redemption in my life, that there's hope in every situation that we are in. And I yes, love that. Absolutely. I think that's great. Yes. So let's jump in. Let's jump into that book. Tell me yeah. about it. Uh, I love that beauty is a picture of what God is doing, that God may be silent at times, but he's never still. Explain that a little bit. I think that is so good and so um, needed for our hearts uh, today. Yeah. Well, the book's called Searching for Spring. So I use the seasons as an analogy of how God works and how he has worked through time, how we can look in the past and look in scripture to see how he's worked and, and also what he says that he's going to do in the future. And so this analogy of the seasons is that at some point, like I just described in my life, we are living kind of this carefree summer, everything's good, warm, moving right along. And then something happens that we experience suffering or something that Um, we cannot change or undo and we realize that there's brokenness and Mm. we either see it in ourselves or our situations and that is kind of the analogy of fall that there's death and there's um, barrenness moving into winter and that's really what life can be characterized as is this barrenness this waiting for fruit to come waiting for the final uh, redemption of all things that Jesus says he's going to bring and so not of course not everything is barren and awful but <laughs> we all at some point experience that and so what hope do we have and that's that's why I wrote the book I wrote it actually for a friend who was experiencing a lot of, of hard things in her life asking a lot of hard questions and I just wanted to think through what is the true hope that I can give her 
not that everything's going to be fixed now and in the time and the ways that she wants and the ways that I want. Mm. But what does Jesus promise? He promises that he will, he will make all things beautiful in time that he will fix all things. It's just not in this time. And so how do we live in winter knowing that spring is coming? That's, Mm. that's really the gist of the book. And it, it is knowing that God's work is a work of redemption. He's, always at work bringing redemption moving us toward that end Mm. so he he may be silent as 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 you just said but he's not still Mm. he's always at work i remember we went through a hard time with uh walking through infertility uh, um, a few years back and and i i the second time when we were trying for a second child um, we we would say God is work. God is at work all the time. We know He's at work, uh, and that kind of lends it to that. I love how you said that that He's He's might be silent. He's never still. He's always at work. And I love that that's how you wrote the book because of a need of your friends and and need of of hearing those questions. I think um, that question, how can I trust Him when He is still? I think you answered mm-hmm. that. I think that's beautiful. Well, I want to go back a little bit of how did you get in, inspired and and started and knowing that you had a gift of writing because it is a gift it is a gift and you have it and so how did you realize you had that gift well I appreciate you saying that I don't think anybody ever thinks of themselves oh yeah I have this gift Uh, (laughs) it's even even though I've written multiple books I still sometimes think you know, when I start on a new project, I think, do I even remember how to write? I, oh, don't, I have no idea. Wow. So, but I would say writing has always been something I've enjoyed. Mm. I didn't consciously think, oh, I love to write. But even as a child, I enjoyed when we would have school projects that were creative writing assignments or, you know, I'd have the freedom to write how I wanted to write. I really loved that kind of stuff. And so when I look back at that, I think, oh, it's so obvious that 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 I was compelled toward yeah. writing. Um, but then after my kids were born, I think that was a time where I was like, who am I apart from being a mom? I love being a mom. But I also felt, I would say, this compulsion toward writing. I, I look back now and I think, I think God was really stirring me up to to pursue something that had always kind of been there and I Mm. it took me a long time to acknowledge that had been there it's kind of scary to say Mm. out loud to people Mm. what you love or what you're passionate about because what if they look at you funny or they think well who are you to think you could do that yeah so you you hold those things inside probably more than anything else and so Mm. to acknowledge it to my husband I think was really important. And he was like, well, duh, you're so drawn toward you. You're always, you're already kind of doing that. Uh uh Um, And he, he kind of gave me the push Mm. to start doing it regularly. And so I did. I, and that was the same time we moved to Virginia. It was go for a few hours a week and just write. And, and I would go for a few hours a week and I would sit there for an hour and 45 minutes thinking I should be doing the laundry. Mm. I should be meeting with somebody, you know, something more important than this. I'm just wasting my time. But it was through that time that I really started to learn to write and to grow and to Mm. find my voice and to figure out what I wanted to write about and why God really refined a lot of the motivations in my heart of why I would want to do this. So it's been building since then. Wow. 
I love how now you have many books, uh, one on being a church planter's wife, and then um, the one on the seasons and spring we just talked about. And then the one before that was Messy Beautiful Friendship. And I love yeah. the cover of it. I love that, like the messy, if y- y'all see it, it's I think it's kind of like a turquoise with white writing. And the white writing is kind of like oozing down a little bit on the messy. Yeah. And I love that. I'm like, yeah, it's messy. But here's the thing. We don't like to talk about the messy. As women, Mm -hmm. I don't think, we like to talk about the beautiful side of friendship, and it's so beautiful, but um, there's a messy side, too. So tell me a little bit of who you wrote this for and also kind of maybe the messy side of a friendship and also the beautiful side. Yeah. Well, I struggled with friendship for many years after I graduated college. I mean, friendship was pretty easy in high school and college. And if you think about it, I mean, you're living with your friends, you're going to class with your friends. It's mm-hmm. it's just kind of there for the taking. Yeah. But then when I graduated, I really struggled to maintain friendship, to know how to make new friends. I mean, I realized it pretty quickly it's going to take a lot of intention and work. And I felt a lot of insecurity about that. And so mm-hmm. I just kind of, I, I really didn't pursue or cultivate friendship for probably about 10 years outside of mm. college, besides the friendship that's, that I had that remained from my earlier years. Sure. And so in that time, I really, I struggled a lot. I mean, I would cry about mm. friendship and I thought I am the only one, like I just, something is wrong with me. Uh, I don't know what I'm doing. Mm. And through the years God began to show me through conversations with other women that this is a struggle for everyone yeah. at some level. Yeah. Nobody has it easy. Even though we mm. think people have it easy, nobody has it easy. Right. And so in those conversations and through just God teaching me uh, that I needed to put some work and intention into friendship, I learned a lot. And mm. so I wanted to share that with other women Uh, especially by that time, you know, I had become a pastor's wife. My husband's leading the church. And I, so I had a lot of conversations with women where they would talk to me about their struggles with friendship. So I kind of wanted to write it of just, this is what I've learned, but also I want to encourage other women, one, that they are not the only ones struggling. And two, we need to think about this in a biblical way. There's not a lot of, I mean, I don't know that I've ever heard a sermon on friendship. I don't know mm-hmm. that I've ever had teaching on friendship. Like, what does that look like according to the principles of Scripture? And so I wanted to give, I wanted to start a conversation. I wanted it to be something that women could read together and talk about mm-hmm. and and find some practical and biblical help. Mm-hmm. Okay, so what is a messy, kind of beautiful, kind of the thin line, the tug of war for messy and beautiful? Have you seen maybe, and not in just your own life, but in others' lives that you're like, ooh, there's a, there's a battle between the messy and the beautiful? Well, I think they go together. Yeah. They go together in a lot of ways, just like, I mean, everything we've just talked about with the seasons. You think about the cross, even the cross being so ugly and mm-hmm. brutal, but then this beauty and this gift comes through it. And I think that our definition of friendship, it has to include that messy part that, okay, are we going to hurt people? Yes. Are they going to hurt us? Yes. Mm-hmm. Are, are we going to have misunderstandings? Are we going to have conflict? Are we going to have things that we need to work through? 
Yes. And what often we think as Christians is that we should not have that in our Christian friendships, that, mm-hmm. that it should be easy, that it should, we are, if we're both Christians, it should be um, just this natural, we should never misunderstand one another. And so a lot of times when that happens, I think even more so, I see this with Christians, is we kind of walk away from those relationships. Mm-hmm. But if we have an understanding that friendship that there's a messy part of it, then we're willing to engage that. And we're willing to address, you know, if I've hurt somebody, I am God, Jesus has taught me that I can go and I can confess and I can receive forgiveness and there can be reconciliation in my friendships that I have, that I have done that with, or that people have approached me and said, you have hurt me in this way. And we've been able to talk about it. Those friendships are the deepest, richest friendships because we have loved one another enough to work through those things and get onto the other side. I, I, that's what I've learned about friendship that it's going to include, it should include that kind of thing. So it could be, it could be bearing burdens. That's difficult to do with each other. It could be confessing sin. It could be just any sort of sanctification or growth where mm. someone is rubbing kind of yeah. up against our edges and we don't like it. These are all parts of friendship that God designed to grow us in, into Christ's likeness and to help us to live in unity with one another. Yeah, and we have to be honest um, with each other about it. And say, hey, you did hurt me in this. And usually I'm the type that'll just, you know, pass it along and be like, oh, it's fine. But, you know, when you do say, oh, yeah, thank you. I accept your, you know, I forgive you. I think that is huge. And I just recently started doing that, honestly. You know, of just being like, okay, we're going to be honest with each other. It's great. That's good. Good stuff. Okay, I want to read you a quote that you wrote in your book, Messy Beautiful Friendship. And I loved it. It, it definitely went down in, into my soul for sure. But let me read it to you. Uh, you said, we must look to serve rather than be served, which means it's possible that we might not be served in the ways we hope. We must be ever willing to broaden the circle, which means we must have an eye for the outsider rather than an eye for how we can be an insider. And it's possible we might be forgotten in the process. We must be willing to address sin and conflict in an appropriate way, which means it's possible we might be rejected. We must be willing to be vulnerable, which means we might be misunderstood and grace might not be extended. And I think that is so true. You actually wrote it on your blog, not on in your book, but being misunderstood is such a fear button that I have. So risking that is kind of hard to hear, but I know that true friendship needs to be looking out for the needs of others and not just, can I be an insider? No, let's be, let's be welcoming to the person that maybe feels like an outsider. Well, and I just think that's, if I could summarize what I've learned about friendship, it is that, that Mm. Jesus came to serve rather than be served. And he says, imitate me, right? That he gave us an example of how to, he, he came toward us. So he initiated, he served, not looking to be served in return. And he, uh, you know, really, he, I think the Bible is much more concerned with, how we are befriending others than how people are befriending us. And so if we can have that focus, that's not easy. Mm -mm, But as we, as we look to Jesus and we 
seek to love and to serve as he did, then that's how we're going to do it. We're going to be intentional. We're going to go first. We're going to serve, not looking for anything in return. And I love, there's a proverb that says, he who waters will be watered. And I think a lot of times Mm. we think that that means, okay, well, if I serve or if I love or if I initiate, then I'm going to get that exactly in return. And I don't think that's what Jesus model. And I don't think that's what that Proverbs means. I think it means that we experience the blessing and a a specific blessing, a specific joy in serving and loving people and being used by God in their lives. That what we get in return is a sense of joy and knowing that we have pleased God and we Mm -hmm. have imitated Jesus in the way that he loves and serves. Yeah, that's good stuff. So tell me, where can people find you? And then we're going to do the Eat, Read, Love segment real quick. Well, you can find everything at my home online, which is gracecoversme.com. And my podcast is called By Faith. And as you said, we're talking about serving right now. So about spiritual gifts and how do we serve by the Spirit and by grace rather than guilt and all those kinds of things. And you can find me on Instagram. That's my favorite social media at Christine Hoover 98. Okay. Awesome. Good, good, good. Okay. And you can find your books on Amazon. I will put all these links in the show notes so y'all can find all of that there. And so let's move to my eat, read, love segment. So what are you loving to eat? I love snacking. So I'm, I always ask that. It's really a personal thing. I'm just want, I want, want to know. And then what are you reading or what have you read in the past that you love? And then what are you loving today? Well, eating, I have developed a an allergy to corn which is awful it's awful (laughs) awful awful because i'm a texas girl and chips and salsa are my favorite and so i had to figure that out i'm not going without my chips and salsa so i love to eat siete (gasps) grain-free chips yes oh my word i just found them at costco last week Ooh, they're at costco we don't have them at our costco they just came they taste just like yep. the best tortilla chips, but yep. they d- are not. They have no corn, so I can eat them as much as I want Yay. with my chips and I mean my uh, salsa, salsa and guacamole. Okay, mm-hmm. that's awesome. So reading right now, I'm reading a book called "So Brave, Young, and Handsome" by oh. Leif Inger. Have you? I don't know no, if you've read his book. Peace like uh, he has a novel called "Peace Like a River" that's really one of my favorites so we actually we have a big reading city here in charlottesville and our library does a book sale twice a year where you you can go in this like they just have books and books and books and you can get them for 50 cents oh my goodness so i found this book at the library sale because i love his other novels so i started reading it i'm just getting started so i can't say i recommend it yet but his writing is so is he's just a really good writer. He okay. makes me like envious. I want to write like that. So. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay. I'll have to look that one up. What I'm loving. I mean, I love podcasts. I love yeah. to listen uh, to podcasts. I am constantly listening in the car mm-hmm. when I go get my kids or while I'm cooking or cleaning. And so I've kind of gotten into, um, listening to the New York Times daily podcast oh, where, because yeah. okay. I, don't, I don't stay up with news very well, yeah, but that either. gives you a little glimpse into what's happening and they kind of explain more okay. of what's going on. And sometimes, you know, they, they bring news from an angle that I might not agree with, but it helps me to understand oh. 
what people are talking about and and things like that so yeah yeah, i'm loving that okay that's great well thank you so much for your time today i really appreciate it and uh i can't wait for everybody to check out your books and your podcast and so i just really appreciate your time today christine thanks so much for having me i've loved it such a great conversation that I had with Christine. I was so encouraged and I hope you are too. And if you are encouraged, I would love for you to leave a rating and review on iTunes. If you hop on over to the Friends of a Feather on iTunes, you can click the five star rating. And if you have a chance to write a one line, two line review, I would be so grateful. Okay, that's going to do it for the episode today. I am encouraged by you each time that you send me a direct message or a repost in your Insta stories or a comment on Facebook. I am so grateful for you that you allow me to do this work that I love so much. Remember, we're all friends of a feather, so let's stick together. Have a great week, and I'll see you next time. Bye, friends.